The tour content from now through Lagwa Omer has been generously sponsored by Malki M. Thank you, Malki. June is less than a month away, which means that I'll soon be transitioning into summer writing mode with more Substack articles and fewer recorded shiurim. The bulk of these articles will remain free. However, if you would like to support my Torah and gain access to additional spicy written content, consider becoming a paid subscriber by going to rabbishneweis.substack.com and signing up today. Hello, I'm Rabbi Matt Schneeweiss, and this is the Stoic Jew Podcast, where we explore the relationship between Judaism and Stoicism. And as I mentioned yesterday, we are going to return to Marcus Aurelius's Meditations as our, uh, our, our default text. And we'll pick up where we left off last time, which is in Book 4, Chapter 38. Um, and I actually misread this, and I'm going to share with you the initial reading and then the question I had on it, which led me to another translation, and then the uh, the new insight that came from that. Okay, so the first reading is from the Hammond translation, which is what I've uh, favored uh, these last couple of months. Uh, and the the chapter says, look into their directing minds, observe what even the wise will avoid or pursue. So when I first read this, I thought he was basically saying that when you are thinking about things or when you're, I guess, uh, taking stock of uh, your own values and your own governing principles, you should look to the wise and learn from what their guiding principles are. And basically, I thought that this was a um, uh, an application of the Rambam in Hilchos Deus 6.1, where he says, it is the nature of man to be drawn after the character traits and actions of his associates and friends and to behave like the members of his society. Therefore, a person must befriend tzaddikim, those who are righteous, and to sit with chachamim, those who are wise, so that he can learn from their actions. And he must distance himself from reshaim, from those who are wicked, uh, who walk in darkness, so that he does not learn from their actions. This is what Shlomo says, one who walks with the wise will become wise, but one who befriends fools will be broken. That's from Mishlei 13.20. And David says, Happy is the man who has not walked in the counsel of the wicked and has not stood on the path of sinners and has not sat in a session of mockers. That's from Tehillim 1.1. So basically, I thought he was saying that you should you should look at the wise and see what dire- what directs their actions and what their values are. But then the the, the more I read it, I, the word that kept on catching my mind was even. Okay, look into their directing minds. Observe what even the wise will avoid or pursue. Mm-hmm. And I realized that if my reading were correct, he wouldn't say even. In other words, he would say that's specifically that's Davka where you should look, you know. So what, what what's with the word even? So then I checked out another translation, the Farquharson translation, which I used uh, earlier in the year, and um, and he has a much more explicit. I don't know if this is a like editorializing, but it, it definitely is a different reading. He says, look into their governing principles, even the wise among them, what petty things they avoid and what pursue. Okay, so that. That is a completely different spin. Because mm. here what he's saying is basically that even the wise who who are ordinarily characterized by having governing principles that are in line with goodness and justice and truth, even they are subject to having their their um you know to their occasional lapses and to pursuing or avoiding petty things. So when I read this, then I thought of um, I thought of a passage from John Steinbeck's East of Eden, and uh, and Steinbeck's, uh, Steinbeck writes, 
When a child first catches adults out, when it first walks into his grave little head that adults do not have divine intelligence, that their judgments are not always wise, their thinking true, their sentences just, his world falls into panic desolation. The gods are fallen and all safety gone. And there is one sure thing about the fall of gods. They do not fall a little. They crash and shatter or sink deeply into green muck. It is a tedious job to build them up again. They, are never quite, they never quite shine. And the child's world is never quite whole again. It is an aching kind of growing. So Steinbeck is really talking about <clears throat> when a child finds this out about adults. You know, you, you, when you're a child, or at least most children, do kind of assume that adults and certainly their parents are infallible and that everything they're doing must be correct and everything is just. And there is a rude awakening when you first learn that that's not the true, that's not true, you know? So that's something that many people go through. But I think that there is a similar sort of rude awakening when you realize that Chachamim and Tzadikim <laughs> are the same way, that Chachamim and Tzadikim are human. And, and yes, on the one hand, you know, we look up to them because we learn from them and they embody truth and goodness and justice uh, and righteousness more so than than the other people in our lives. That's true. But we don't hold that they are infallible. And when you when you when you see that, when you see the a, a chacham pursuing or avoiding something for petty reasons or worse, for wicked reasons, it's it is a rude awakening. It's it, it's something that is um you know, I don't know. It's it's uh, it's disillusioning, and uh, and so sounds like that's what Marcus Aurelius is saying, right? That you should you should bear in mind that even though you are, even though even though you you should strive to learn as much as you can from from Chachamim and Tzadikim, be aware that that they can fall into these traps as well. Um, and uh, and I, I think it's interesting. I, I for some reason associated to. Um, to one of my favorite passages in the writings of Socrates in Crito, where he says to Crito, he says, but why, my dear Crito, should we care about the opinion of the many? We must not regard what the many say of us, but what he, the one man who has understanding of just and unjust, will say, and what the truth will say. And therefore you begin in error when you advise that we should regard the question, sorry, that we should regard the opinion of the many about the just and the unjust, good and evil, honorable and dishonorable. So I don't know why I associated to that, but I guess I was thinking that that he does differentiate. He says, you know, we don't, we shouldn't care about the opinion of the many, but we should care about what the one man who has understanding of just and unjust will say and what the truth will say. So I think it's an interesting distinction there because if you're asking yourself, what would the truth say about me? Uh, or let's say if we want to put this into Torah's framework, what, what would Hashem say, you know, uh, you know, from his perspective of, uh, so to speak, of objective reality, you know? So that's one thing, and that that's absolute truth. But what ends up often happening is we do we do ask ourselves what the Chachamim and Tzadikim in our lives would say. Like, I mean, I think the common example that, that at least I can relate to, and I'm sure other people can relate to, is like, what would my Rebbe say about this? You know, what would Rabbi Moskowitz say? What would Rav Pesach say? Um, and, uh, and although that is a good guiding principle, then when you combine it with uh, with Marcus Aurelius's uh, you know point here, you do have to take into account that as long as someone is human, then they can be flawed in their perspective or skewed in uh, you know in their value system, and uh, and that should always be the grain of salt that accompanies your uh, your asking yourself of uh, Socrates's question about what what would the the man who has an understanding of just and unjust say.
Yep. So there's my musings. Um, I, uh, I, it feels good to get back to Marcus Aurelius. I'll say that much. Um, if you've gained from what you've learned here today, please consider contributing to my Patreon at www.patreon.com slash Rabbi Alternatively, if you would like to make a direct contribution to the Rabbi Schneeweiss Torah Content Fund, my Venmo is at Matt-Schneeweiss and my Zelle and PayPal are mattschneeweiss at gmail.com. Even a small contribution goes a long way to covering the cost of my podcast and will provide me with the financial freedom to produce even more Torah content for you. If you would like to sponsor a day's or a week's worth of content, or if you are interested in enlisting my services as a teacher or a tutor, you can reach me at rabbischneeweiss at gmail.com. Thank you to my listeners for listening. Thank you to my readers for reading. And thank you to my supporters for supporting my efforts to make Torah ideas available and accessible to everyone.